You know that famous Oscar Wilde dad joke about assumptions? When you assume something, you might make an ass of yourself and or me. And have you ever noticed how many asses there are wandering about in the field of classroom music education? Maybe there's a connection. Hello, I'm Dr. Brad Fuller, and this is the Geek-Based Learning Podcast. Check out this passage from DNM page 10. Our thoughts and actions are intimately and inextricably linked. Our assumptions, beliefs, mindsets and interpretations inform and drive our actions, and our actions feed back to and have an impact on our assumptions and beliefs. Whether teachers realize it or not, every teaching, learning decision and action we carry out before, during and after we interact with students taken in a broader sense, is guided consciously and non-consciously by what we assume, believe, or think about why, what, how, where, and when we do what we do, and the people we are doing it with and for. This passage didn't just change my teaching, it changed my life. Let's dig into it and see where it takes us. Whether we realize it or not, Every teaching, learning decision and action we carry out is guided by our assumptions and beliefs. But wait, it gets worse. D&M warned that staying alert for assumptions is vital because they are stealthy. They sink into our minds subconsciously during conversations, while we're scanning blogs and Facebook, and when we read poorly researched books and articles. But don't worry, it's okay. I've researched the heck out of this article. Just don't scan it. But seriously, let's nail this down. So we all have beliefs and assumptions about teaching and learning. It's likely we're not aware of at least some of them due to their stealthy nature. And we have to be continuously on guard against new assumptions sneaking their way in. And we can't just outsource our beliefs to the experts because, as you'll recall from my post, Rabbit Season, Duck Season, our whole operation rests on essentially contested concepts. The experts don't necessarily agree. So it's up to us to uncover our beliefs and assumptions about education. But before you decide to pick a side, let's hear from the heaviest cat in music education, Thomas A. Rogelski. He says... It ultimately goes back to the question, what of all that could be taught is most worth teaching? And some of the answer is, what of all that should be taught can I teach well and effectively? When I pose that question, I immediately slide into, well, to answer it, you're doing philosophy. I don't care whether you like it or not, but you're doing philosophy. When you're doing philosophy, then you've got some rules to go by. You can't just say whatever you think you want or you believe, you've got some rules to go by, like you need to know what's already been said on a topic. Whether we realize it or not, we have assumptions about teaching, and whether we like it or not, we're doing philosophy. Notice it's doing philosophy. This gets back to the need to stay alert, to continue to uncover and question our beliefs and assumptions, because as DNM pointed out, quote, our actions feed back to and have an impact on our assumptions and beliefs. This suggests a continuous, ongoing, circular, or recursive process. Embracing philosophy as a doing is so important because, as Rogelski says, it gives us, quote, some rules to go by. We've already started philosophizing by taking up Rogelski's advice on to, quote, know what's already been said on a topic. That's why we started with our Cats of Music Education series. 
so we could learn what the cats have said on the topic of classroom music education. Plus, we've established that our field rests on essentially contested concepts, and we're inclined to think in terms of either-ors, so we know to be on the lookout. Plus, we've taken on Hargraves et al.'s advice to focus on processes of teacher inquiry and build a professional community of practice where teachers experience the time and encouragement and work together. Finally, by sharing my music education philosophy, which informs my personal pedagogy or bradagogy, which is manifested through gig-based learning, I'm answering Paolo Freire's call. He says, quote, We must have a clear and lucid grasp of our action, which implies a theory, whether we wish to or not. There is no dichotomy between theory and practice. Practice acquires a new significance when it is illustrated by a theory. All right, Freire has set us up. Philosophizing is not an either-or, which gets us to gig-based learning is action illustrated by theory. Thanks, PF. So, I think we've taken some ground in this post. Let's look to DNM for our next steps. They say, quote, Thus, if we want to teach or act as well-prepared, effective, educative, more on this term later, ethical and professional classroom music teachers, then we must get our heads together about the who, why, what, how, where, whether and when of music teaching and learning, as well as how to implement these concepts in action. That's exactly what we're trying to do here, DNM. So our next step is to start asking the right questions. Let's get our heads together. Oh, and let's try not to make an ass of ourselves. If you'd like to know more about gig-based learning, we have a website at, unsurprisingly, gigbasedlearning.com. On the website, you'll find information about our gig-based learning community of practice. It's for classroom music teachers who want to find other classroom music teachers and join with them to live the good life of good teaching. I hope to see you there.